Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I have to say, I absolutely love today's topic. And I'm thrilled to have uh, today's guest joining me on the on the show. Going to be talking about building a brand and and specifically how to take the principles of building a billion dollar brand and applying it to your e-commerce business. And and in my opinion, this is so critical. I think the e-commerce companies that will endure and the e-commerce companies that will you know earn that that huge buyout down the road are going to be e-commerce companies that focus on building a brand, not just you know sourcing a product throwing it up on Amazon, you know, kind of riding that wave, but people that can actually build a brand and build a community and and build something unique, that's where the real value is. I think that's where the long-term play is. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. Hey, that's my company. Uh, OMG Commerce is the primary underwriter of the e-commerce evolution podcast. And we're excited to do that. Excited to bring this content to you. A quick offer from OMG Commerce. We are a Google Premier Partner. So we're in the top 3% of all Google partners, one of the fastest growing in the world last year. Uh, if you would like a second set of eyes on your Google campaigns, whether that's Google Shopping, Search, YouTube, Remarketing, or the like, we would love to talk to you. Love to schedule a strategy session. Love to look at your campaigns and provide ideas for improvement. Also, Amazon. We would love to talk to you about your Amazon ad strategy and have an Amazon audit for you, uh, complimentary for listeners of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Our Amazon department is led by Mr. Chris Tyler to find out more about the way we approach Amazon campaigns. Go back and check out episode 39 as we do a deep dive and look at Amazon advertising. But we would love to help you with either of those traffic sources. And so if you're interested, go to omgcommerce.com, click on any of the services, and there's a quick form to fill out right there. And now back to the show. Uh, My guest today is Mr. Rick Cesari. And Rick is just a brilliant marketer, strategist, brand builder. He is behind some amazing brands uh, like Juice Man, George Foreman Grill, which I just, I love. I'm, I'm an advertising nerd, so I love the George Foreman Grill videos from back in the day. Uh, GoPro camera, Sonic Care toothbrush, OxyClean. The list goes on and on. This guy has built some amazing brands and been involved in the, in the marketing behind those brands. And so I am thrilled to welcome to the show, Mr. Rick Cesare. Rick, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to dive in and just explore this topic. It's one of those that gets me pretty fired up and, and excited. And so before we talk about you know principles of building a huge brand, we're going to talk direct, direct response and and get into some really fun topics. Before we do that, I think it'd be great. You know, can can you share kind of your your brief background? How did you become a, a marketer, and and how did you get involved with some of these just phenomenal consumer brands? Yeah, it's funny. I always like to listen to people's paths and how they got from point A to point B. But mine took a lot of curves along the way. I actually uh, graduated with a degree in biology and had no intention of doing marketing. And I was living down in Florida and, you know, I'm in my 20s now thinking of ways um, of how I can be successful, make money. I'd graduated from college and um, I started reading books about real estate and I started going to real estate seminars and I went out and did what they told me and turned around and sold a house in, in, in about two weeks and made $12,000 for me in my 20s at the time. That was really awesome. So I just started helping the person who was putting on these seminars uh, by getting local media and PR for them and and got involved in helping market the seminars. And it was really uh, direct to consumer marketing. And, you know, this is going to date me, but um, we'll talk about the evolution. We were placing newspaper ads and getting people to go to free lectures and kind of predecessors of doing webinars and things like that. And eventually the the real estate guys were some of the first guys, uh, this is back in the mid to late 80s, again, um, showing kind of the whole evolution of where I've come from. Uh, They were the first ones to start using direct response TV. And I got in at the very early stages 
and was able to use it as a really powerful marketing tool to help build many of the brands that you mentioned in the open. And, you know, the one thing that I think is important for your listeners to know is, uh, you know, we're talking about building big brands, well-known brands, big companies. Every one of these products that I started with was either a startup or just doing small amounts of sales. And we were able to use, you know, direct marketing, direct response marketing techniques on all of them to help them, the both the business grow and the brand grow at the same time. And it's kind of a formula I've used throughout the years, regardless of how um, technology has changed and distribution channels have changed. The underlying principles have always been using direct response to uh, get people to respond to the advertising. Yeah, I love that. And and I 100% agree. It's more about the direct response principles and that can be applied to just about any channel or any medium for success. And, and uh, you know, that, that one of the things that's always attracted me to business and specifically marketing is this concept of taking a really good product even one that nobody knows about. And then through powerful marketing, powerful storytelling, powerful direct response, you build into this huge brand. And, and so I'm uh, really excited to dive into the details here. So let, I think this is a good segue. Let, let's talk about direct response. And uh, we, you and I were talking kind of before we hit record about our, our backgrounds. And, and you know, I was a student of marketing from the early 2000s, following guys like Jay Abraham and Dan Kennedy. And so really fell in love with direct response, measurable marketing. And, and actually my first little agency that I started, uh, my whole premise was let's do direct response and build your brand. And so when I, as I was reading some of your materials, I was like, whoa, this is, this is like perfect. This is totally the philosophies line up. But uh, if you would kind of explain what, what is direct response and, and then how do you tie that into to also building a brand? That's a great question. And I'm glad you asked it because I, I don't have a specific definition, but I'll, t- I'll tell your listeners what it means to me is when I approach a, pr- a product marketing from a direct response standpoint, it means that when you're doing advertising, there's going to be some type of offer, some type of way for a person to respond. You're getting their interest with your advertising and you're giving them some type of offer or way to respond to their interest level in the product you're marketing. Whether you're asking them to go to a website where there's gonna be more information, you're asking them to buy the product outright. So the first thing is there has to be a type of offer. And then the second, and probably to me the most important is it has to be measurable. Yes. So, And that's really how we build financial models when we're first looking at a product. And the secret to success, and we'll get into more details as we go along, is really, a very simple, you know, if you spend a dollar on advertising, you better be making back $2 in revenue. And, you know, the more you make back for every dollar in advertising, the bigger you can build that business, the bigger you can build the brand. And, you know, we applied that formula on TV, um, but it works just as well on Facebook. Um, you know, when we talk about GoPro, we'll talk about how we use um, you know, a combination of direct response and branding. So really it's it's two things, having an offer, a way for someone to respond to your advertising and being able to measure that response on every advertising dollar that you spend. Yeah, perfect. That, that's the perfect definition. I could not agree more. And, you know, it's really one of those things. I remember when, when I first got my start in the in the marketing and advertising world, I was in the radio business actually. And, you know, kind of the, the pitch that I kept hearing people in the business say is, hey, you got to tell people they need to get their name out there, right? So I'm using air quotes here, get your name out there. That was the goal. And I'm like, that just doesn't really sound right. Like get my name out there. I want to, I want something to happen, man. I want someone to come in the store or someone to pick up the phone, you know, back in those days or someone to to visit the site and, and join my list or watch a video or take that next action. And so it's, it's both driving action or, or, or requesting that someone take an action and then measuring it, uh, which is phenomenal. And so, uh, love that. Uh, let, let's talk about you know tips for building a great brand because I believe you can do both, right? You can run direct response ads, whether that's on on YouTube or Facebook or or display or or, or Google Ads, whatever. Um, you can you can run direct response and build a brand at the same time. What what are some of the tips you have for for building a great brand? What's what's required? 
Yeah, I'll answer that question, but I just wanted to comment on something you mentioned earlier. Sure. You said you were a student of Dan Kennedy, yeah. and I, I mentioned Dan Kennedy's books. I uh, give lectures at different college classes, um, you know, marketing class at University of Washington, I've done at Kent State, some other places, and um, I always mention that people need to get a basic understanding of direct response principles, especially our whole marketing thing is is moving towards direct to consumer marketing which is another you know word for direct response marketing but Dan's books are a great foundation or a great great way for people to get exposed to you know the correct direct marketing uh, technique yeah full, fully agree uh, and then one one thing and sorry to interrupt one thing I'll also mention I was at a a Google uh, live event kind of a Google partner event about a month ago or so and and uh, uh, the one of the YouTube product managers it was so interesting. Uh, she played an old David Ogilvy video, so you yep. can find it on YouTube. In fact, I'll link to it in the show notes. But it was um, the the difference between direct response and just brand people. And so David Ogilvy's like, "We have to sell. We'll be measured by if we sell." And it's actually very, it's kind of poetic, and and it's a really interesting video. But but yeah, it's some of those some of the the resources that. Some people may think are dated, you know, uh, are still very much applicable. Just need to be translated, you know, into to today's media. Yeah, that's a great book, um, uh, Ogilvy on advertising. Yeah, and yeah. he he was famous for his brand ads, but he was a direct marketer at heart and had he was philosophy. So let's go back into building the brand. I, um, something a philosophy that Dan Kennedy and I share is that I totally believe in building your brand by selling getting your product out into people's hands, not spending a huge amount of money um, on hiring a branding company that's going to tell you what color and create a fancy logo. I'm a big believer in focusing on marketing, getting the product or service out into somebody's hands, customers that are paying you money, getting feedback from those customers, and then doing any types of improvements as you go along. And so at the heart of every one of those products, um, they didn't spend a huge amount of money on branding or brand ads. It was more about marketing and getting the product out there and then uh, getting feedback from from the customers who purchased the product and and making it better and better by listening to their customers and the feedback. But probably the single biggest tip, and this is really basic marketing, but a lot of people really don't do it. And you mentioned about products on Amazon and how commoditized they are, and I agree. And probably the single biggest thing um, for a product or a company is really to take the time to figure out what their unique selling proposition is. And how do you differentiate your product or service from everybody else out in the marketplace. And, you know, just quickly with some of the products you mentioned, with the Juice Man, we the parent company, my brother and I owned it, it was called Trillium Health Products. And at the time, uh, Braun and Krupps, two German companies that are, you know, famous for their engineering, were the big juice sellers at the time. And they were marketing their products as an appliance. And basically, uh, basically advertising um, the features like dishwasher safe, stainless steel cutting blade, powerful motor. So we came along and we were and we started selling the benefits of the juice and we positioned our juice machine as really a health product. If you drink this juice, you'll have more energy, you'll live longer, uh, lower your cholesterol and really approached it from that standpoint. And it was totally a unique different unique selling proposition and positioning than the other products out there. And, you know, the result of that with some of the marketing we did, we were able to build that business to 75 million in sales in only about four years. And that was pre-internet. I, I can't even imagine what it would have been if we had online marketing at our oh, disposal man. at oh, the man. same time. Yeah, could could have blown that up. And that, I, lo- I love that differentiation or, or I love that that comparison Krups and Braun, they were selling appliances, right? Mm-hmm. Selling the te- the technical features. Look at this awesome blade. It's the blade technology, whatever. 
Uh, but you guys were selling the health benefits and, and this, this is the kind of stuff that can give you more energy and vitality and lower your cholesterol and all those things. And that, that shifts someone into a totally different mindset uh, when they're buying that. Now I'm, I'm investing in my health and I'm going to feel better and, you know, live longer maybe as the thoughts that are going on in their head or whatever. Whereas, you know, you get, you talk about an appliance and it's more like this analytical side of your brain where you're thinking about moving parts and stuff. It's just, it's just a, it's a better place to buy from when you're, when you're thinking benefits. Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, so just, just super, super powerful. Um, yeah, feature features versus benefits. It's a, it's, it's really, um, any type of selling all your listeners, um, not all of them, but, you know, they have their own e-commerce sites, they're selling products, um, always focus on the benefit to the consumer versus the features of the product. Now, it's important to list features, but in your marketing message, it should always be the benefits to the consumer because there becomes the uh, the emotional attachment, which kind of underlies a lot of successful marketing too. And it, it's, and again, you get this information, you don't have to be a genius, you don't have to be like a psychologist. I get almost all my information from talking to people that have purchased the product and getting feedback from them and then using the information I get, the things they like, the things they don't like to craft the marketing messages. So if you're out there selling your products and you aren't having a conversation with your customers or clients um, you need to start doing that. Yeah, uh, that's that's phenomenal. I think sometimes we, we try to overcomplicate things and, and, we, and we try to be too creative or too cute or whatever with our advertising where, whereas if you just listen to the customer and listen to reviews and listen to feedback and then, and then craft your message and improve your product based on that, you know, you're going to be so much better off. Um, I want to dive in a little bit. I want, I want to look at some of these other, while we're on the topic of differentiation and USP, I want to kind of dive into some of these other products a little bit. And I also want to, want to kind of point out, there's, there's a great book, I'm not sure if you've read it, um, called uh, Building Your Brand Story. I think that's the title by by Donald Miller. Are you familiar with, with that? Yeah, I have on my reading list and I haven't gotten to it yet, but I have heard of the book. It's so good. I'm listening to the audio right now and I'm, I'm a huge Donald Miller fan. I've read several of his other books, but he <laughs> talks about how you know, the, the hero, the, so, so every, every prospect is, is living a story and telling themselves a story mm-hmm. and, and they need to be the hero of that story, yep. right? Yep. Where, where they're the winner. They're the ones that, that are, you know, to, to make a comparison to a really good movie, you know, they're the ones that are going against all odds and they're trying to accomplish something and there's all kinds of obstacles in their way and whatnot. But the, yeah, the, usually they stumble and fail and then they recover from that and then they become, the hero or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when you're talking about benefits like you did with Juice Man, that allows the prospect to be the hero where I'm getting all this health and vitality. My life's going to be better and all these things. If you focus on just features, then your product is the hero. You know, your product is is the the hero where really you need to position your, your product as the guide that helps the consumer be the hero, which is just kind of an interesting way of, of sharing it. Well, fast, flash forward, um, 25 years from this product and we're talking about GoPro and Such an amazing tagline, product, yeah. the tagline of the GoPro camera was be a hero. And nice. you can, we can talk about, you know, how the marketing behind that. And, and, and again, very similar direct response principles we used back pre-internet to make a GoPro camera, you know, one of the fastest growing, more successful brands in recent consumer product brands in recent history. Yeah, I would love to to hear more about that, even just kind of the process you guys took or any insights, you know, because that <laughs> I think everybody now would say, oh, I'd love to work with GoPro. But you, you, you got involved when it was nothing. Nobody heard of GoPro. Um, yeah, let me just take take a couple a couple seconds because it it does it does tie together direct response and and more modern day distribution channels and marketing channels. But awesome. I found that product. Um, you know, one of the things I do is I'll go to different trade shows and just walk the floor and look for different products and that I think are interesting. But normally, one of the things is you know you look for a lot of activity at a booth. Why are so many people interested in this product? And, and so I was down at the outdoor retailing show in Salt Lake City and Nick Woodman, the founder, um, had a booth, but his booth was unconventional. He drove his Volkswagen bus onto the trade show floor like a like a surfing you know Volkswagen bus 
put some sand on the floor, had a beach scene and was basically selling these cameras out of the back of the bus. And I just he had lots and lots of people around him. And I just thought that that was a um, awesome product. So I, I told him I'd be interested in working with him from a marketing perspective. And again, he's probably doing at this point um, maybe a million dollars in sales, but mostly wow. to surf shops and things yeah. like that. And um, so he flew up to Seattle and we sat down and outlined a plan on how we could build it into a successful business. Um, not so much talking about the brand, um, but really how we could help uh, just cr- just get more people purchasing the product. So so fast forward a year and we started making GoPro spot, uh, TV spots and they were very, if you've seen the GoPro spots, they all started out with a brand logo then there was user-generated footage in the middle. And at the end, uh, there was actually, here's where direct response principle comes in, um, because this easily could have been a brand ad with no way of responding, but we mentioned earlier, you need to do that. So at the end of every GoPro spot, it said, go to our website, someone will win one of everything we make every single day. So people would go to the website, They'd have to leave their name and address to register for the content. We were building up our database. We could remarket to those people. The other thing is by driving them to the site, there were lots of other cool videos there. People could go and take those videos and and share them. And that created the viral aspect. And the third and the last was people go to the website and buy the product. And we were generating revenue that helped pay for the advertising. Uh, But it all kind of goes back to a simple direct response mindset of how we could take that GoPro commercial and get people to respond. That's phenomenal. And and I love that approach. And, and I think everybody needs to employ it where you're looking at, yes, let's drive sales right now, but let's also build that list, whether it's, you know, just building a remarketing list, although I would highly recommend that. In fact, I would say it's imperative. You have to build an email list yes. as yes. well, because there's so many people that are just not ready to pull the trigger right now. And so, by doing that, by doing what you guys did, you're able to, to invest more in your, your advertising efforts because you're able to close more people over time. Yeah, but I, I agree with you 100%. You absolutely have to build that um, email list. Yep. That's, that's one of the things that you can do. You talked about building the brand, which is really important. Um, but the other one is really if you have that list of customers that you can market new products to or product line extensions or whatever, it makes your company much more valuable than, for instance, if you're an Amazon-only seller, you don't have that customer list. So that's one thing we always try to get people to focus on as well. Fully agree. And I, and I love Amazon. You know, it's a big part of our agency is helping companies sell more on Amazon through Amazon ads and optimization and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you're just doing that, man, it kind of leaves you in a tough spot. I think you need to be differentiating, have to be differentiating in, in some ways or, or diversifying yeah. your business and your traffic for sure. When you talk about differentiating, there's one, you know, I like uh, to recommend books. There's a really good book out there. Uh, there's an uh, called Fascinate. And the author is someone named Sally Hogshead. And her sister was an Olympic swimmer. But basically in that book, she has a quote that I love. Um, It says, her quote is, different is better than better. And you think about how many products out there come out with the advertising claim, our product is better because we do this. Our product is better. And people just don't believe that. It's not enough differentiation. Mm -hmm. And her point is that it's so much better to be different then just be better. And and then the, the, the marketing challenge is how can you look at your business service or product and say, how can I differentiate it from other products and out in the marketplace? I really, I love that quote. Uh, different is better than better. That's, that's phenomenal. That's one to write down and keep in mind. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, take one of the other products. I'll let you kind of take your pick, whether it's Sonicare, OxyClean or whatever. Um, how did you approach differentiation there? And, and how did that change the game, the economics from, from pricing to who you're reaching to all those things? If you would just kind of talk about how you differentiated, you know, one of those other products. Sonicare is a good example uh, to, to answer that question. And the problem Sonicare had when they came onto the market is they had this amazing new technology, but 
nobody knew what it was or did. And also their price point was so high. And if they were going to take the normal marketing channels at the time with a consumer product, they would come up, they, they, they did, and they had issues where they would take this product. And at the time it was $150 toothbrush when the most, you know, people are used to paying $2 for a toothbrush and even an early electric toothbrush was like $39.99. So Sonicare was $150. And if you were to put that box on the shelf or the retail shelf, there's no way someone would buy that. People didn't know what Sonic technology was. And so the marketing that we created for them and and how we were able to differentiate it was really to leverage the technology. So, so techno- Sonic technology is a feature. So what's the benefit? The benefit of that Sonic technology is it cleans beyond the bristles. And that became a tagline for Sonicare. So what does that mean to the consumer? Cleans beyond the bristles. Well, dentists have a major campaign about flossing and getting into the nooks and crannies of your teeth, but not very many people like to floss. So we basically created advertising that really educated people about gum disease and how if you had a product that could clean beyond the bristles and go into the nooks and crannies, you could actually reverse gum disease. And basically, that was kind of the selling message with Sonicare that helped it become successful. And all of a sudden now, people could justify paying $150 for this product because they knew that they would have better gum health, better dental checkups, and um, you know, everything that come comes with the, the, the better cleaning of your teeth. That's awesome. You know, I remember the, the old quote, you know, if you build a better mousetrap, the world will beat a door to you, beat a path to your door, whatever. It's like, this is this whole quote. And, and it's like, that's not going to happen, right? Because better mousetraps have been built. Yeah, not, not unless people know about it. Exactly. exactly. You got to tell the story. Like, you gotta, if you show people that it's better and why it's better and why they should care, then they'll beat a path. Yeah. But otherwise, they won't They won't care even for a second. Yeah, let's use another um, analogy because I'm trying to get across to your listeners that, and you mentioned it that with, with bringing up David Ogilvy, there's huge, huge, huge amounts of great information and if you study people who have been successful in the past, you can transfer some of those principles. So one of the things we did with Sonicare, um, we went out and made sure that uh, all, what we called them at the time, key opinion leaders. So we got the top dentist, the top periodontist in the country. We would send them free Sonicares. And so we had these people um, being advocates for the product. So what do you call those types of people today? Those are influencers. Right. And right. if you look at GoPro, um, the way GoPro carved out its niche initially was with extreme athletes. And they got the top snowboarders and the top mountain bikers and top kayakers to be using their camera by giving them away. And once they established the niche of they were the action camera, that created the coolness around the brand that attracted everybody else that wanted to use the camera. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Several more things I want to talk about. This is just fascinating. I could, I could go hours. I keep talking going off on tangents, so I apologize. No, no, this is, per- no, this is perfect. I, I, uh, I, love, I love where this is headed. Uh, a few other things I want to kind of dive into. I want to talk video in a few minutes and, and DRTV maybe even for a minute. Um, but curious because, you know, you, you, you seem to have this knack and it's probably just natural for you at this point where, you spot a product at a trade show and it's kind of, you know, nobody's ever heard of it before. And you're like, this is going to be it. You know, you're like the, you're like the, uh, the, the talent scout that hears someone singing in a dive bar and, you know, they're going to be the next, um, you know, whatever Ed Sheeran or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what are some of the, the, what's some of the criteria you use when you're evaluating a product? Cause I think this would be interesting both from a perspective of helping our listeners understand what, what they should be looking for if they're looking for their next product or just, Hey, does my product kind of meet some of these criterias of a product that could be a billion dollar brand or, or, you know, 10 or hundred million dollar brand? What are some of the criteria you look for when you're evaluating? Do I want to get involved with this product or not? Well, the first thing, you know, I, my success rate with products is much, much, much higher when a product has been already introduced into the marketplace and there's some level of success. I don't care if it's, you know, 
$30,000 in sales, that's a little, you know, or $100,000 in sales. So it's really, um, the marketplace has already um, given you feedback that this is a good product. However, the easiest way to test a product to make sure consumers are accepting of it is is really something that I look for in product. That's why when I go to a trade show, it's usually sometimes uh, not a brand new product, but products that have been in the marketplace. Even if on a small scale, I'm looking for that consumer interest. Uh, the second part of it, and and you probably know this really well, is I, you really have to look at the financial um, makeup of the product from the standpoint of how much margin do you have to work with. Yes. And that that's you know people bring products to me every week and and I kind of put them through this mental criteria. But if we get serious about a product, you really have to do a little bit of a deep dive financially. But if you want to just do kind of a surface thing, it's like what does this product cost to make and what can you sell it for? Because probably the single biggest thing that'll keep a product from getting very big is lack of margin. And because you need those margin dollars to do the right types of marketing and and grow your business. And a lot of products, um, especially on Amazon, can be successful without the right margin. But if you do have the margin, then then that's something that is really key into into the things we look at. And then I look, um, you know, there's traditional categories that work well, you know, health and fitness, uh, weight loss, uh, beauty, you know, skincare, cosmetics, that 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 have always worked housewares you know that that's the obvious one for me I've, I've had a lot of success in that area if you have a better product that will make life easier in the kitchen a la george foreman grill and you know we sous vide supreme is another product we did um you know those those type of things so so the category the financial makeup and then um you know this doesn't help when someone's looking for a necessarily a new product um but if there's that customer feedback that people are interested in it by buying the product. Those are really the main criteria for me. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's good stuff. Do you have kind of a a rule of thumb or a range when when you're looking at margin and the financials? Are you looking at something where the the cost to manufacture the product is, you know, less than 25% of the, the retail value of the product or or is is there kind of a range? What what kind of range are you looking for there? I would say on the very, very, very minimum end, it's a three to one markup. So it's $10 cost. You can sell it for 30. That's, that's on the very low end. A lot of the products that we've had success with, um, are four times markup, five times markup. Obviously the more margin, you could get the better success you're going to have. You just have more, you know, margin dollars to work with. Now, the only exception to that rule is products, continuity products. Yes. So, um, but you have to spend more money up front to get the customer and you're not going to get your return to maybe three months, four months, five months down the road and you have to really look at a financial model that builds in kind of the lifetime value of that customer. So general rule of thumb, if it's a, if it's a consumer product with, you know, not a, not a, you know, no follow on sales, um, it, it, it's a three to one minimum, but I prefer like a four to one or five to one. Let me give you an example of a fitness product though, because I just bought one. I, I fell, um, not fell for the advertising. I was brought in by the advertising. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a product that uh, was be, is being advertised on TV and it's just doing phenomenal. It's called the Peloton bike. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why, because I dabbled in, in trying to market a spinning bike and I couldn't understand how this could be so successful because from what I saw, it really didn't look much different than maybe a spinning bike. I had tried to market five or six years ago. And if you know about those, they're very heavy. Um, but anyway, the thing that has made it successful, it, it, you know, once I got went into the showroom and looked at it is they have this revenue tail. So you purchase the product, but 
then you're on a $39 a month uh, pretty much for life um, as long as you're doing cycling to subscribe to their classes and their classes are the top instructors all over the country. So that's also a way of like say, okay, how can I make my product different than there's spinning bikes. There've been lots of spinning bikes. They've been out for years. Nobody was successful marketing them. Now here comes Peloton and they just basically figured out how to make it successful by tacking on the revenue trail after the initial purchase. Yeah, it's such a fascinating example, and 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 what I do because I'm I'm I think similar to you in this regard, Rick, is that I'm a sucker for good ads and good marketing, mm-hmm. and so my wife's always right. like, "You are a marketer. How do you fall for this stuff?" And I'm like, "It's I just it's good, it's good," and I, and I want to reward them, and I'm doing market research. That's kind of how I like to frame it. Uh, my wife doesn't buy that; she doesn't believe it. Yeah. But, but. No, I know when I both TV and online, I'll be like on TV, I'm flicking around, and I'm really what I'm doing is looking for ads and what other people are doing, and then online too. I really, when I really appreciate when someone does a good job in marketing, and um, and and I, I, I use the word fall for it, but it, but they've captured my interest. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally yeah. agree. And and here's what's so fascinating about about Peloton, and I think that's instructive for all of us is. What what separates Peloton from from other bikes? Because you could go buy another bike. There's probably other, there may be other brands of in home bikes that that are better functionally, technically, whatever the better spinning mechanisms or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the difference in a Peloton bike is you're gonna ride it and you're gonna keep riding it and you're gonna it's gonna change your life because. You're going to get connected into a community and then you're going to start doing these cycling classes and the classes are on demand. And it's it's all built around like the community and the fact that you'll actually ride it. And I think the the thing that that um, at least spoke to me and I, I don't I don't ride a bike, so I didn't buy one. But is, you know, most people buy a workout product and then and then it just it becomes, you know, like a, a clothes hanger. Right. Or, you know, stack boxes on it. But so many people have said, yeah, but I bought the Peloton and I'm doing the classes and I'm connected with people and I'm writing it, you know, like they're, they're actually using it. Um, and that ties into the continuity and all that you were just talking about, which is just just phenomenal. So really interesting case study there. And also how to differentiate a product. You know, yeah. they came up with a solution and now I'm sure I don't I don't have insight to how much they're doing, but they have to be doing 100 million in sales. I mean, they wouldn't be able to be run, have showrooms and running the campaigns they're running without that. Yeah, yeah I see them on TV and on podcasts and everywhere. So, yeah, they're, they're doing some stuff right for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's transition and talk video a little bit. So I love the fact that, you know. Most all these products you use direct response TV and and just a quick uh, side note uh, YouTube. So, so we've always been a Google ads agency and done some YouTube, but in, in the re- last year or so, YouTube's come out with some new ad formats and, and campaign types and ways you can bid that have really just made YouTube blow up and become a, a perfect channel for a lot of e-commerce companies. And we're actually, we're seeing some of our clients go from not using YouTube at all to where it's like the number two or number one channel, like in 30 or 60 days. It's just, it's just crazy. I haven't seen anything like it in a while. So YouTube is phenomenal. So I'm, I'm like geeking out about video and I've always had, I think, a, a love for a good, good messages and, and, you know, been a marketing junkie and stuff, but we're not a creative agency. Um, so from your perspective, you know, what does it take to make a great video? So when you're working on the George Foreman grill video or GoPro or Sonic care, uh, what what are what are your tips for you know crafting a video that sells? That's a great question, and I'm just going to go off on a little tangent and then come back and absolutely answer that. But I I wanted to mention that um, I have a book coming out, Building Billion Dollar Brands, goes into depth on all these brands you talked about. But I'm actually writing my third book, which is called Video Persuasion, mm, and it's basically great. how do you use video to get the consumer to take a certain action. And in doing the research for that book, I just want to drop a couple statistics for your listeners about video and how powerful it is. You know, video is kind of taking over. You know, every 30 days, more video content is uploaded than the major TV networks have produced in the last 30 years. Video is powerful. Viewers retain 95% of a message when they watch it in a video compared to only 10% when they read it in a text or a text with an image. So another reason, you know, why does video work so well? It appeals to two senses um, as opposed to just one, you know, seeing and hearing. And then um, video marketing, you know, you experience, you, you work with YouTube. 
Um, but you know, using video and an email leads can lead to 200 to 300% an increase in click throughs, including videos on landing pages can increase conversion rates by 80%. Uh, 64% of consumers purchased after watching a branded social video. And here, here's one that just blows people away. You do a lot of Amazon marketing and you know that they're allowing video for their brand, brand registry pages. But we found that using video on your Amazon listings can help increase conversions by 20% or more. And you know, on Amazon, if you're, you know, have a similar product and, and you can increase conversions by that much, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's cool. So yeah. videos where it's at and videos where it's going to be. And, and so what I've been able to do is kind of leverage my history in using video through one marketing channel, which was TV, to now using it through some of these different online channels. And, you know, I, I, I like to use an analogy. Um, when the infomercial business was at its peak, everybody was making infomercials and, the, and the, the, the success rate was very low or the failure rate was very high. People used to quit quote statistics like only one in 30 of these shows worked. Wow. And so I figured out why, why, why is that? Because they're expensive. And it really boils down to there's there are many, 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 many video production companies and you can hire a video production company to basically create the video. So what's but there was only a handful of companies that were consistently creating successes year after year and their success rate was much higher. It was, you know, one out of three or two out of three. And you know, so it boils down to two things to me. One, picking the right product, but then also it was the content itself in the video a lot of times that was much more important than the quality of the video. And it really goes back to the basic sales pitch that, that and understanding that you're using the video as, as a way of getting the consumer's interest or getting them to, to respond. And, and so that's kind of um, what I've always focused on and I think what when people are making video, if you had a choice between high production value or the right content, always go to the right content. Because uh, even if the production value isn't high, um, the people will respond to the right content. Um, so that's kind of a, a base for, for, for your, your, your question, but it's okay. So how do we make a video that, that works better? And to me, the the three, and again, this isn't like um, guessing. I've 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 made thousands of hours of video in the in in the last twenty years and have tested it like through direct response channels and everything. But really, the 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 absolute single most effective thing that you can include in a video if you're trying to sell a product, and this will sound a little bit like maybe common sense, and it goes back to the customer again, is really customer testimonials. So I'm still amazed when I go to someone's website and I don't see um, great consumer testimonial videos on the site because those are the single most powerful thing that is gonna help your video um, sell, sell your product. And again, how do you get those authentic testimonials? You go out to your customer base. Um, you know, just going further down the line, the, the two, number two and three are uh, tutorial videos. Uh, you know, how do you use a product? But really from the standpoint of, again, we mentioned this earlier, focusing on um, the benefits to the consumer, um, not just the features. And then demonstration videos. And I'll, gi I'll give you a, a great example because you mentioned YouTube. We have a client... Um, called sous vide supreme that I don't know if you're familiar with sous vide cooking. It's where you cook food in a hot water bath. Um, and a lot of commercial restaurants have used it. And so this machine, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of gotten popular in recent years, right? I think I heard about it the first time about a year ago, we have a, a restaurant supply uh, client, Yeah, but it's kind of, kind of becoming trendy, maybe sous vide. Yeah. And, um, and, and it is. And so anyway, we have a client called sous vide supreme that actually makes one of these cookers and it's been out for, um, probably six years now, but the entire marketing campaign for the sous vide Supreme was really to make 200 recipe videos with different chefs 
using the sous vide, cooking their favorite food. Um, all of them are, uh, you know, on the shortest end, maybe two minutes. Some of them go six minutes and they deploy them not only on their own website, but on YouTube. And the company has been able, they've been able to build that company into about a $50 million um, brand. And it's like, there's a lot of sous vide cookers out there, but they're, this is kind of the number one in the category. But really, in this case, they were doing demonstration videos. They would get a, uh, a famous chef and he would say, well, here's if I cook a chicken breast the conventional way and here's what it looks like. And he cuts into it and it's dry. Now, look at this one I just cooked in the sous vide supreme and it comes out and he cuts into it and and it's really, really moist. And so that demonstration alone um, coming from a credible source is enough to get people interested in in purchasing the product. But again, it's it's using video. Um, but all of it was deployed through through YouTube and their own website. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. And and you know, it's one of those things where people need to see the product in action. They want to see what it actually does. They want to see it, you know, and, and how it'll make them the the hero, like we talked about. And mm-hmm. I think I think part of that goes back to why. And this is one of those things that kind of stumped me initially. But you know, unboxing videos are popular. You know, so people unboxing the brand new iPhone or unboxing mm-hmm. this new mattress or whatever. It's like people just want to know. You want to know, like, how will it work? How will it look? What What's my experience going to be like? And also, I'm, I agree with that. And the other part of that is the people's initial reaction when when they're receiving the product or when they're opening that box. Yes. Uh, yes. And that, you know, that's, that's one of the other... Um, we're bouncing, I'm, I'm maybe making us bounce around a little bit, but that's the other, um, one of my keys to building a great brand. We talked, we talked about unique selling proposition, positioning is the next one, but really delivering value. So the world's moving so much more towards direct consumer marketing. When someone gets that box and they open it for the first time, one sure way to help build your brand and one sure way to kill the brand is that the experience they have when they open that box better be really good. And that really, I I call that delivering value and where someone, um, you're basically to some extent under promising and over delivering. And what's when people unbox an iPhone it's a great experience or one of the mat, like Casper, uh, one of the mattresses or one of the other ones, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go tell their friends about it. And it's one of those basic principles that a lot of companies don't do because maybe they're good marketers and maybe they could get a lot of people to purchase. But I always say that almost all good branding starts after the sale and the customer experience that they have once they receive the product or service and they're experiencing their experience in the daily touch points that they have with your product and your company. Yeah. And I think that's one of the areas that goes uh, potentially overlooked is people forget about what is that unboxing experience like? I'll use an example. One of one of our clients, uh, Wanderer bracelets, they sell these handmade bracelets and usually they commemorate like a trip or a special location. They have these coordinates uh, have GPS coordinates on the handmade bracelets. Really cool stuff. When when you buy it, you get this little wanderer flag, and their logo is super cool. So it's like like this, you know, travel flag, and and the box is cool, and the packaging and the paper, and it's all all really cool. Um, contrast that with with another product. And I won't mention the name because they're a friend of mine, but but the product itself is good. But it like it came in just a brown nondescript box with brown paper shoved in to kind of keep the product from moving around. And it was kind of just really underwhelming. Product was phenomenal. The presentation was poor. And so uh, I'm really glad, I'm really glad that came up in our conversation that, that a lot of the branding does happen after you get the product, not just in a, in a good ad. And, and the second part of that with the product presentation is really also the customer service Yes, that a company follows up on. And so really, if you just keep in mind that one concept your most important branding happens after the sale. It's the presentation of the product and and the customer service. And anytime someone tries to deal with your company, if they have a good experience, 
They're going to tell other people. And that's kind of the snowball effect in marketing. And, you, and you know, you spend money to get a customer. And then how do you, you know, get that customer experience multiplied? Um, it, it's by doing things the right way once someone buys from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rick, I think that that's a good place to kind of wrap up the discussion. This has been phenomenal. I, seriously, I could talk about this stuff for hours on end, Me and too. I would be totally entertained and, and totally fascinated. But we're we're kind of up against it. Uh, I want to do a couple things. One, uh, want to want to allow people to connect with you and and buy your book and and just learn more from you. So uh, you mentioned your book, Building Billion Dollar Brands. Uh, when when is that coming out, and where can people find it? And then I think you maybe have a couple other resources to mention as well. Sure. So my book's going to be released September 24th, and obviously you can find it on Amazon. Uh, but if you want more information uh, about the book, about me, you can go to my personal website, which is rickcesari.com. Uh, my last name is C-E-S-A-R-I, rickcesari.com. And, you know, I have two things on there that uh, we talked about uh, today a little bit, but didn't go totally in depth. And one is that people can download uh, something I call the five keys to building a great brand. And we go into what those five keys are and give examples of how I used them with real products. And um, and then also I have another download on, and this would give them more of an answer to one of the questions you asked me was, uh, how do you make any video work better? And I have a four step process on how to uh, get any video that you create uh, capturing someone's interest. So those are two things they can download when they go to my website. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share that information uh, with your listeners, Brett. I, so thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Glad, glad to do it. And so I'll link to everything in the in the show notes as well. So you can check that out at ecommerceevolution.com if that's easier. But com. go and check it out. Uh, Rick, this has been a blast, man. We'll have to do this again. Really appreciate you taking the time and, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. Fantastic. And as always, thank you everyone for, for tuning in. I'd uh, love to hear your feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, leave me a note on Facebook if you have ideas for other topics you'd like us to explore. We'd love to hear from you on that uh, as well. And so with that, I hope you're motivated. Go out and build a, an amazing brand. Get after it and go go visit Rick's site as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.